Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello. I am about to go live with Play On Radio to talk about round one of AFLW. So stay tuned. I am waiting for Gemma Bastiani and here she is. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm so good. Welcome to the Play On Review here on Insta Live. I'm Rana Hussein and with me as will be every week, Gemma Bastiani, AFLW analyst, and we're here to break down this round and every game of round one of the AFLW. Our reviews will also be up online and you can get them however you get your podcasts. Welcome back to footy, Gemma. How are you? I am so excited that football's back and also incredibly exhausted already. So, um, makes sense. Yeah. Oh, look, the exhaustion is very real and it's only been (laughs) one round. I think I'm just not match fit. I was not match fit at all. And I think I'm going to need to, um, yeah, build up that stamina. And all I'm doing is sitting and eating chips and watching other people exercise. So Exactly. (laughs) In the heat, though, in the heat, it's been quite muggy at the games in Victoria. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, look, that there's some games up north too that were quite warm, so I will get to that. But let's get stuck in. We had Carlton and Collingwood Thursday night at Icon Park. What a ripper of a game. We had Carlton in the end finishing on 4-3-27 to Collingwood's 5-3-33. A little bit unexpected for some people. But I don't know about you, Gemma, something a little bit familiar for me at the start of that game. What did you think? Yeah, the game, it, it was very, very similar to the, their matchup last year in round two, which was actually the last time Carlton lost before this game. So it was really interesting that the game played out very similarly and Steve Simons used similar tactics as well. So it was quite fascinating, I think. You know, the Pies got the jump early and the Blues in the second half kind of pulled it back a little bit but weren't able to get over the line. Absolutely. I was sort of uh, the first half, the people that I was sitting with were sort of looking around a little bit nervous, like, oh God, what's going to happen? But then the way the Blues came back, it was so thrilling. Talk to me about that defensive battle. It was so good to watch, especially in that second half. What did you see? 
Yeah, so I think we really got to see some incredible defenders who know how to read the ball beautifully. So Charlotte Wilson and um, Laloifi in the first half for Carlton were reading the ball really well, sitting back in that anchor kind of role and taking a lot of intercept marks, Charlotte Wilson in particular. Um, you know, Laloifi had eight contested possessions and seven intercepts for the game. And then in turn, Wilson had four marks and four intercepts. So that kind of battle was really good. But then in the second half, we really saw Livingston and Schleicher and Butler really pull through for Collingwood. Um, I think Livingston in particular was outstanding. Um, she had 309 metres gained, which was the most on the ground. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that she is such a penetrating kick. And in turn, she's able to create attack straight out of defence, which every team wants to be able to do, but not every team is able to do. And hi, Emma, I saw you say hello. <laughs> yes, hello. <laughs> Feel free to send some messages. Probably Gemma's way, not my way, because uh, <laughs> I am not the footy brain in this partnership here. But, oh, and thank you so much, Emma, for being my number one champion and hero. <laughs> <laughs> I was ground announcing for the Richmond Footy Club uh, and um, I can see that you're just going to heckle me throughout this whole half an hour. <laughs> yeah, Rose, thank you. We love it. Game on. Um, let me go back to Collingwood for a bit because I don't know that people expected Collingwood to win this game. I certainly didn't. What, did you, what can we make of this and have Collingwood found their forward 50 answers? Yeah, so anyone who has heard me talk about Collingwood in the past, you know, three years will know that I'm, I've been particularly harsh about their forward line or, or lack of reliable forwards. And I think in – sorry, Emma's distracting me. Um, we'll read your <laughs> comment in a moment, Emma. Um, I think in, in instead of finding forwards to recruit and play, the answer seems this year they've gone with stacking their midfield more so then they can rotate more of their midfielders into that forward line and have an impact. So like we saw Brianna Davey play out of the goal square for moments. Obviously, Chloe Malloy's for the past two years spent time forward. Jamie Lambert can kick goals. So instead of finding forwards to kick it to, they found more midfielders to then rotate those two positions. And if that continues this year, they could become very damaging forward. So I'm not going to say their forward line issues are fixed, but it's looking like that may be the case. And what has Emma said? Oh, Emma is just saying the absolute truth here, which is that you called all the right calls on the Outer Sanctum earlier this week and said you basically called every best on ground and you got them all right. So, I mean, there you go, Jen. That's what I'm here <laughs> for, right? <laughs> I will say on Collingwood, they had the element of surprise there with that game plan. Do you think moving forward other teams will now look at that game and be prepared for them? I mean, yeah, the thing that Collingwood do really well and it the reason I think they've been able to beat Carlton twice is that Casey is distracting me as well. Um, sorry to all the podcast listeners who aren't seeing the comments come through, but it's a bit I know, fun. This is terrible audio for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the reason I think Collingwood and Carlton is such a good matchup for Collingwood is that Collingwood love to do that quick rebound through the corridor and really make the most of that turnover, particularly when it comes off Stacey Livingston. And when it comes quickly through the corridor, it catches that defensive zone off guard, whereas 
if they were to play more one-on-one in that defensive line, maybe they wouldn't be as vulnerable. But the other thing that Collingwood did really well is even though they do rebound quickly through the corridor, they are able to hit targets on the 45 before they enter 50. So not only are they coming quickly, but they're changing the target, the angle at the last minute before they come in. And that's so hard to defend against. And we saw that happen continuously throughout that game. I want to get your 3-2-1 for this game, but before I do, there was a bit of heat in this game. What did you make of that? Were you Everyone expecting else, that? Um, uh, I, was ex- I was expecting it from maybe a different Collingwood player, but... Definitely from Maddie Prasparkis. But everyone I was sitting with loved it. They thought it was the best. <laughs> I, I actually loved it too. I surprised myself. <laughs> I thought, this is so interesting. Maddie was tagged really the whole game and Brianna Taylor was given it. Boy, was she given it. <laughs> well, but they Gemma, did it to her that last year. Absolutely. This yeah. is the game, isn't it? And it was it was incredible to see such heat in the First game, first cab off the rank. Give me a 3-2-1, Gemma. So I think, one, I was really, really impressed with Ruby Schleicher for um, Collingwood. She was a massive loss for them last year because she only played the two games. She had a couple of different injuries. So I loved seeing what she did. And it seems like she's a lot stronger this year. So she's she's almost a, a key defender now rather than a smaller defender, which is really exciting. Um, two to Stacey Livingston because, as I said, I think her ability to move the ball such a distance and but then I think she had nine intercepts and a few other things like that I think that makes her really damaging and then what three to Britt Bonici because this is what I mean when it when we talk about Collingwood stacking their midfield so they they can move different players through the forward line Britt Bonici's improvement in the past two years absolutely has a lot to do with their ability to do that and she was outstanding in this game uh, question from Mover and Sh- AFLW Mover and Shaker Emma Race. Uh, will Chloe Malloy, our hero, will Chloe Malloy and Izzy Huntington both finally have the fire seasons they are owed? What do you think? Well, we'll get to Izzy Huntington in a couple of seconds, but mm. Chloe Malloy, yes. I would love to see Chloe Malloy take that one little step. I know she's a superstar, but I think if she takes that one little step forward and can improve her goal-kicking accuracy from set shots outside 40, that will make her unstoppable. Mm, absolutely. Stay tuned, I guess. I'll give you my 3-2-1s for what it's worth um, and not very much because, like I said, I am not the footy brain here. Um, I'm the here same to learn. amount of points as mine. <laughs> And I should say we will be doing, we will be giving our three, two, ones for each game and then we'll be tallying them up as we go. So I gave three to Britt Benici, two to Brie Davey and one to Stacey Livingston. Let's move on to St Kilda versus Western Bulldogs at at Moorabbin. St Kilda ended up 8-3-51 to Western Bulldogs, 6-6-42. Boy, what a game. I think for me, this was the game of the round, if not one of the best games of AFLW I think I've ever watched. Did the stats show anything to back up this claim, this massive call from me straight out of the straight out of that? <laughs> I think, and we'll touch on debutants in a moment, but I think the fact that there were so many individual performances that were outstanding that also didn't outshine the team performances that kind of backs that up. And the game that it reminds me of in terms of my enjoyment um, 
watching it and being at the game and all that sort of stuff was round one 2019 where Melbourne took on Fremantle and it was that really dramatic oh, Kiara yeah. Bowers debut match you know that that's this kind of excitement I had at this game um just because of how good it was yeah, there were times where I just couldn't believe what I was watching. And as Katie, Casey Simons just wrote, it was the funnest. Uh, I, I want to ask you about St Kilda. They look different to last year, much more daring and attacking. What did you make of their game? Yeah, so I love the fact that it, Caitlin Greiser is a star and she kicked goals and she did all those things. But I love the fact that they were able to find eight goal kickers in this game. Was it eight or six? It was six goal kickers in this game. Sorry. They kicked eight goals. Um, Last year, they averaged 2.8 goals a game. Emma, you're very distracting. (laughs) Um, Yeah, last year, St. Kilda averaged 2.8 goal kickers a game. So the fact that they were able to find goals through more players and they had Darcy Guttridge kick two, who I think only kicked one goal last year. They had Jackie Voigt, who was a debutante kicker goal. So they had all these players come through that have really made their forward line far more damaging. And the Lauren Spark case, uh, Caitlin Greiser battle was one thing, but you couldn't just shut down Caitlin Greiser like you could last year. You had to shut down all these other players and it was incredibly difficult. Yeah, they're looking a little bit scary to me, St Kilda. Can we talk about Izzy Huntington though? Boy, was she impressive. Paired up very nicely, I thought, with Bonnie Toogood. Yes, she did. And Bonnie's, I think, contested marking has improved more than I've... Like, her marking was the incredible. And I was standing um, toward where the dogs were kicking in the first quarter and Bonnie took quite a few marks... Oh, in the second quarter, and Bonnie took quite a few marks kind of right in front of me and that she just is looking so strong. And shout out to Bonnie, who is another making the call uh, person. Um yeah, Huntington though. Let's talk about Izzy Huntington. Emma asked yes, her about her already. Please. Um she yeah, took seven absolutely. marks. Yeah. She took seven marks. Five of those were contested, which is the equal third third equal most contested marks in an individual AFLW game in history. Um actually she's also taken six in a game before, so it was just her second most personally. Um seeing her in the forward line, scary. The way she's able to cover the ground and be a link to the forward line, scary. She kicked two goals as well. Like, she can do it all and she's amazing. And the fact that she's such a good advocate for the game, like, the AFL should be so excited that they have a person like Izzy Huntington as a representative of their game because she's incredible. Well said, absolutely. She's a superstar and I I just love that she almost won the game for them. It was incredible to watch. Plenty of debutants, in fact, seven on show for this game. Mm-hmm. But more impressively, they seem to have an impact on the game. We had Tiana Smith, 16 disposals, one goal. Alice Burke, who had the story of the round, really, um, going up against her father, Nathan Burke. We all know the story. They lived together. I just, I can't, it kind of blows my mind that that is happening, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but it was incredible, it's an, and it's an incredible story. We had Talia Meyer, Jackie Vogt. Uh, tell me your thoughts on the debutants. There were so many of them. Yeah, I think each one played their part in a really interesting way. So Tiana Smith is kind of the obvious one that 
will likely get a rising star nomination this week. She she had a lot of the ball, but I think the other thing that was really great was the fact that she was able to win clearances and then move the ball forward. She had 345 meters gained in this game, which is a massive amount for a debutant or a senior player. Like that is a lot. So that was huge. And then the ability to then kind of rove packs really well in the forward line was great too. She she was super damaging. And then, yeah, I really liked Sarah Hartwig for the dogs. I know she doesn't have a lot of stats to show for her game, but again, watching her play and the way she reads the play, prepares herself as the ball is coming into her defensive line, she's going to be an absolute star defender for them. And it's because of players like her that they're able to move Izzy Huntington into the forward line. So... Sarah Hartwig, I love what she did. She had three intercepts and four contested possessions. But again, it's the stuff she did when the ball wasn't near her that was so important. Absolutely. And Ladyhood Music agreeing with me that the Burke story was the story of the round. I think it got us all emotional. And just a reminder, you can put some questions in the comments and we'll try to get to them, see if you can stump Gemma. I don't know if you can. It's, I don't know if there's anyone is. out there who could. I think it's possible. Thank you, Lucy. (laughs) Sarah Hartwick was great. Yes, thank you. Gemma, we'll move on, but I want to get your 3-2-1 for this game. I actually had Patrikios at three, Izzy Huntington at two, and I put Tilly Lucas right at number one. What did you have? Yeah, so I gave Caitlin Grazer one. Caitlin Grazer is amazing. I adore her. Uh, Two, I've given to Patrikios because I think, yeah, her ability to not kind of shy away in her second year and continue to grow as a player around the ball. Amazing. And then three to Izzy Huntington because, again, B, I think it was the first time I was actually able to see Izzy Huntington play live. And the mm. way she – just watching her play is incredible and it was a joy. And, yeah, that's three votes for her. I feel like Izzy Huntington, she's one of those AFLW – I know we have a Taylor Harris statue, but years down the track when there are a number of – AFLW statues around Melbourne. I feel like there will be an Easy Huntington one. I just kind of, she's one of those ones that I, I kind of hope there will be one. Anyway, I digress. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's head up north to Gold Coast versus Melbourne at Metricon Stadium. Gold Coast 5535 to Melbourne's 9256. Look, I feel like. Uh, I, I love a Gold Coast side that just is giving it a red hot go. I, it was it was fun to watch. I was really pleased to see how they were playing, but I feel like accuracy won the day. Have Melbourne fixed their accuracy woes, Gemma? I feel like pointing out that that's a Melbourne poster right there. <laughs> yes, um, no bias, please. <laughs> or, or all the bias. It's up to all you. All the bias. <laughs> um, Yeah, so again, I feel like the caveat of me being a Melbourne supporter is relevant. Um, But as a Melbourne supporter, their their accuracy in front of goal for the first four seasons has been incredibly stressful. And the fact that they had their most accurate scoring game in this one, kicking 9-2, was 82% is just very exciting. But I also don't want to get my hopes up yet that that is a... problem that's been solved rather than just a fluke of something that's happened but it's positive science ladyhood music makes the point that accuracy from a lot of teams has really improved this year do you think that that's the case from what you've seen so far uh not for Fremantle, i don't think 
Um, I do know that Adelaide have kicked at exactly 50% for their past four games. Um, but I will have to double check the rest of the teams for you. So I'll get back to you. Speaking of forward efficiency, Tegan Cunningham kicked two goals and he's looking very confident. What do you think, Gemma? Yeah, so Tegan Cunningham was kind of the player that in 2019 broke out and had an incredible season and, and all this sort of stuff. And then last year, she was double teamed a lot. Melbourne was kind of starved for tall options. So um, she that she didn't really get much support in the forward line, just really struggled. She came out this year and, again, she was attacking the ball. She looked confident taking – I think she took three contested marks, kicked two goals. Last year, for her whole seven games, she kicked two goals and had six contested marks. So the fact that she's been able to kind of get back to that 2019 form is really scary for oppositions because now you look at what Melbourne's forward line is. It's her – it's Shelley Scott. It's Jackie Parry who's kind of taken that Shelley Scott role of leading up out of 50 to then link it in. You look at Kate Hoare and then all these midfielders come through, small forwards like Crystal Petrovsky. Their forward line now – Alyssa Bannon, obviously. They're all looking really dangerous, but it feels – Eden Zanka, it feels like if Tegan Cunningham can be the big target, the rest can really grow around her. Thank you, Casey, for calling (laughs) me out. Appreciate it. Emma Race is saying that the scoring was so much more accurate. Do you have a percentage of increased scoring for all the games V round one of other years? Sorry, I I didn't even read that out properly. So, yeah. No, that's okay. I do. I don't know. How do they compare? uh, I don't know percentages of accuracy yet, but I do know that there was an average score per team of 38 points, I think, this year, which is the highest we've seen so far. It's also worth noting that it's the only t- uh, only year other than 2018 where we haven't had any expansion sides, bringing that down as well. So everyone's kind of settled a little bit um, and we'll go from there. But that's a stat I, once I've kind of gotten through tonight, I will be looking at that. So keep an eye on my Twitter for that update. <laughs> Amazing. Just pulled that out of your brain. Incredible, Gemma. Uh, fellow Melbourne supporter uh, Lucy Racy saying Eliza McNamara is an exciting prospect for Melbourne. What do you think of Eliza? Yeah, I think, and we all know that she's got the endurance. We know she can cover the ground well. The thing I liked was that she put herself in really good positions and had repeat efforts. I'd love, love, love to see her get a little bit more confident when it comes to turning out of congestion rather than turning back into congestion. But that's like, she's in her first year, she's going to be incredible. That was just the one knock I thought on her game for the whole thing was that too often she turned back into the contest, maybe because she's not confident on her left boot, maybe, um, rather than turning it out into space. But other than that, she was a star. We should keep moving on, but I do want to ask you really quickly as a Melbourne supporter, were you worried about not having Maddie Gay or Elise O'Day? Tell me, tell me about your anxiety around this. (laughs) Um, Maddie Gay probably more so than O'Day and they rhyme, which is really frustrating me. Um, (laughs) 
Melbourne, in the first quarter, I think the Suns really kind of got the jump in the midfield. Ali Drennan kind of came in as the replacement for Jackie Yorston and absolutely kind of stood up to the pressure aspect of it. So we know Jackie Yorston is a big tackler. Ali Drennan laid nine tackles for the game and she had, I think, 15 contested possessions Yep, for the game. So she stood up to that. And I think in the first quarter, Melbourne was a little bit slow off the mark. And that led to the Jamie Stanton goal to open the game and a few other things. But then after that, Tyler Hanks, absolute, it was the best game I've ever seen her play. And then we saw all these other players kind of go through there. Obviously, Karen Paxman had a lot. Lily Mithun was able to play on the ball more than we've seen in the past. So there's heaps of options. So I'm not worried about that midfield, but Maddie Gay back into there would be kind of great too. Let's get your three, two ones. I had three for Karen Paxman, but I would give her one for bringing back the best mullet and better than I've seen anyone else do it. Uh, Lauren Pierce at two and obviously Sarah Perkins at one. Who did you have? Yeah, we didn't even talk about Perko. We're trying to not make this too long. We could talk about everyone. Um, (laughs) I know, we missed Ellie Blackburn before too. So Yes, we kicked two goals. I think we're going to get to everyone. Um, we'll get to them throughout the season, I promise. Um, I've given one to Lily Mithin. The reason I chose her was because she kicked a goal and had used the ball a little bit better by foot when she did get it. Um, given two to Sarah Perkins because she's Sarah Perkins. That goal, that um, kick inside fifty to Britt Perry, where she just kind of split the the defenders remarkable um and then three to lauren pierce who's another one we haven't really spoken about but mel hickey Mm. brought her up in the broadcast and um she she's just able to be so damaging on ground level and i think before the game started i said watch out lauren bella is gonna win the taps um and win that aerial kind of battle but lauren pierce will have a more of an impact on the ground i think lauren pierce only had nine hit outs but some of the play she created from that ground level was just incredible um and there was one sorry to make this quite long because it's about melbourne but (laughs) there was one passage of play where pierce intercepted on the half back line and moved it forward and eden zanka was able to take a set shot and kick a goal and that was a perfect encapsulation of why lauren pierce is so important not just what she did but the fact that she's in the team playing in the ruck (laughs) emma um and the fact that Eden Zanker is able to sit in the forward line and have that shot on goal. If Pierce wasn't in the side, Zanker would be in the in the midfield playing as a ruck and wouldn't have been that option forward. So she's so important. And yes, she did have some really good stats on Lauren Pierce. Emma. Let's move on to West Coast versus Adelaide at Mineral Resources Park. Really just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> West Coast ended up with 2618 to Adelaide's 8856. Oh, look, we were lucky enough to talk to you on the Outer Sanctum podcast and I did ask you then what do West Coast Eagles fans have to look forward to and you said improvement and I think they really did. What did you think? Just improvement. Um, Yeah, so (laughs) Shiloh Curtis, another making the call person, was fantastic in commentary in this game and she kind of hit the nail on the head. Early in the game, in the first half really, when the Eagles looked like they had improved massively. It was because they were finally winning the ball on the outside of the contest. And last year they were so strong on the inside, but couldn't win it on the outside. That was something that they were able to do in that first half. It faded in the second half, but you saw that it was possible. A lot of that had to do with Ashley McCarthy, who didn't star like she did in the, in the practice match, but she had, I think seven tackles, nine tackles and 
11 touches maybe, mm. 11 contested possessions. I haven't looked that up. Sorry, I should have done that. Um, so, like, those things, definitely improvement. And then we saw little things like Michaela Bowen and Sinead Davison with clean hands up forward. Um, and then the defense stood really strong. So there was a lot to like. They just weren't able to sustain it for four quarters. Mm, absolutely. We had some big names amongst Adelaide's returning players, though, and they certainly provided the goods. How good is it to have Erin Phillips back on the footy field? It's a bit like an early Christmas present or a late Christmas present or an Eid Christmas present, if you want so. <laughs> I was about to say, you're talking about Christmas. Um, <laughs> I'm actually wearing an Erin Phillips T-shirt today in her yes. honour, um, supplied by Shout the Shout out to who? Thank you very much. The Carlton draft gave them to Siren. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, there were actually four big name returns for the Crows. Erin Phillips is obviously, she kicked two goals. She's now kicked 30 and um, is the competition leader again with both Vessio and Wushner still on 29. She had 23 touches, 17 contested possessions. She had five inside 50s. Two cont- like She had everything going for her. She even had a hit out in this game. But Chelsea Randall was able to push up the field, also had five inside 50s and had three running bounces. So her ability to kind of be really springboarding for them and keep the ground small by really pushing up the field was amazing. Rhiannon Metcalf is one that people kind of forgot about a little bit because Jess Foley was there and, and didn't consider the fact that Rhiannon Metcalf wasn't on the field. She had 24 hitouts, three clearances, and actually used the ball at 75%, which I think is worth talking about given she's a ruck and people don't expect mm. rucks to be able to use the ball so well. And then Hannah Button had 13 tackles back from an ACL, which is the highest in her career and was the highest on the field. So she's not lost any of her confidence. But the thing, sorry to not let you talk, but the thing about um, (laughs) in the preview with Julia, I flagged that I think these players could really help Adelaide dominate in the air because that Mm. other than Hannah Button, they're all really good overhead. And it was worth noting that, they won the marking battle 29 to 42. So I think that helped them control the game and steady the game when West Coast were able to apply. I'm not, sorry, I'm not, let's be honest. Um, When West Coast were able to apply a bit of that pressure, they were able to steady it by hitting those targets, getting those marks and then slowing the game down that little bit. And that's what Chelsea Randall and Rihanna Metcalf and Aaron Phillips bring to the side is that aerial confidence. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like the veterans ran the show a bit and uh, <laughs> Chairman filibustering <laughs> AFLW stats is my kink. I had to read that out loud. <laughs> Emma Race, the podcast listeners are going to love that. I wasn't going to let that go. <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> but, you know, you could you could argue that for Adelaide it's the vet- veterans that are running the show, but there were some debutantes that had an impact and I wanted to talk to you about Ashley Woodland who is a, quite a lovely story in this round as well and probably hasn't been spoken about much. She's reinvented herself quite a few times and she looked threatening all day. Yeah, so uh, this is one of the players that Casey's very excited about, uh, Emma calling me out. Um, <laughs> Ash Woodland is one of the players I mentioned on the Outer Sanctum and she's technically a new player because she's new to Adelaide and was drafted, um, but she actually played four games for Melbourne in 2019 as a defender. She c- kind of went back to the Sandfall worked as as kind of a midfielder half forward 
Um, but she played this game as a deep forward all day and she just looked so dangerous. She looked like she was going to just be the option every single time. And it wasn't just in the air. It was once the ball hit the ground, she was great tackling, great um, kind of holding the ball up until her teammates arrived. So I think she's one to watch for the rest of the season. Think Ponta in 2019, that the impact she had playing as a deep forward. Um, that's, I think, what Ash Woodland has the potential to do this year. 3-2-1 mm. for this game, Gemma. Uh, one to Ashley McCarthy because I know she wasn't kind of flashy, but she did a lot in that first half to kind of show us what West Coast can be. Um, true to Chelsea Randall, Chelsea Randall, I just hit my mic, so sorry to the podcast listeners that that's <laughs> going to be a noise. And three to Erin Phillips, that's the obvious one, but um, yeah, you had to give it to her. I had much the same, so I will move on. But also, I love the name Ashling, so I was always going to give her number one. <laughs> That's how I watch the AFLW, but Good both for the football and then just the cool names. I think there's some, well, some really Bonnie too. Good is the is the name of the century. If you're going to be a footy player, you got to have the last name too. Good, I think. What was good being a Gemma and doing a live tweet about Gemma Houghton today? That was pretty good. <laughs> Absolutely. Geelong versus North Melbourne at GMHBA Stadium. Oh, look, I didn't actually get to watch this game because I was working at the Richmond Brisbane Lions game. So I'm going to need to rely on you. But from the score, it didn't look pretty. Geelong 139 to North Melbourne's 11571. Not the start the Cats would have been hoping for at their home ground, no less. But it was always going to be a tough ask with that really imposing North Melbourne midfield. We've got Bruce and Riddell, Garner, Carney. I mean, did they have a chance? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was a big ask already. And the thing that we really love about – does anyone want to talk about Geelong? I do. There's a reason we're going to talk about Geelong. Just negatively. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, the <laughs> – thing that um it's it's a big ask the thing that the north melbourne mid does so well is not just use the ball but also the pressure that they put on their opposition and just kind of force really poor decision making and then they're able to capitalize on the outside because north is such a skilled team when you turn the ball over it's so dangerous because they're able to hit teammates the whole way around the ground and use it quickly add to that emma king (laughs) Who... I know. I I was working at the, the Richmond game and every time I looked down at my phone, all I, I just kept seeing people texting about Emma King and I just thought something terrible's happened or she's just having a corker of a game. Yeah, so shout out to um, Swamp. So Swamp Thing on Twitter. Um, go and follow him. Um, she's the second ever player to kick the first three goals in an AFLW game. Um, Caitlin Greiser did it in round six last year against Richmond. Sorry, Rana. Um, but yeah, Emma King, the thing that was remarkable about her game is last week, last year we saw her play out of the goal square and maybe she was injured. Maybe that was just Scott Gowan's kind of strategy because they had Vivsard, but it seemed like a very clear intention that the North Melbourne were going to go into this game and ex- like absolutely expose Geelong's rucks. Emma King started in the ruck against Astro O'Connor and then after the bounce would push hard forward to 
kind of exploit the the lack of running power, I guess, that O'Connor and um, Karras were able to do. And in turn, she kicked three goals straight. She just ran them off the park and then won the hitouts at the same time. So that was just incredible. It's one of the best ruck games I've ever seen. Uh, Emma's asking about Nina Morrison. Any thoughts? She, she didn't play, but they desperately need her back. Mm. Yeah. There you go, Geelong. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to Gemma. Just in case you want uh, Before I move on, <laughs> Geelong didn't even score until the final quarter. What is going on there? I need to know what was happening. Yeah, so it's really their forward efficiency that's a massive problem. Um, they only had two fewer inside 50s in North Melbourne and had four score. Was it four scoring? Uh, I'm looking at the wrong four scoring shots to 16. So, you know, once it's in there, you should be creating opportunities, but too often they were making really poor decisions going forward. Phoebe McWilliams was often outnumbered. I was really surprised that Olivia Barber didn't get a call up to be another tall option down there. Um, Karis wasn't able to do that job. I don't think she's strong enough yet to do that. So yet who's going to kick their goals. They relied on midfielders to do it last year, but the midfielders were being towed up and then just had no one mm. else to really do it. So it was a, a bit dire. Their defense was under pressure all day. Mm. Let's get your votes. I had Jazzy Garner at three, Emma King at two and Ash Riddell at one. What did you have? Yeah. Um, so I gave Ellie Gavallis one. I'm a massive Ellie yeah. Gavallis fan. She kicked three goals in this game. She was brilliant last year, but got overshadowed by all the other stars in this team. Um, two to Jazzy Garner, who if anyone asks me, I'll tell you that she was robbed last year. She kicked mm. eight goals as a midfielder. You know, she did all these things. Um, she was great in this game, but Emma King has to get the three votes, I think. Absolutely. I agree with that Jazzy Garner call. Let's move on because it's start. We'll probably need to wrap up soon. People need to get to bed after a long weekend. So uh, <laughs> Richmond versus Brisbane at the Swinburne Centre. I was there, ground announcing. It was an amazing day, to be honest, and really quite a moment. Before the game, I got to speak to Peggy O'Neill, who said that um, the last time... Uh, a game was played on Punt Road Oval for points was 1964, which is just incredible. So after the year we've had to then finally have a game played there was really meaningful and a great crowd as well, really lovely atmosphere, quite warm too. But not the result that the Tigs would have wanted, um, but a great hit out, first hit out for Brisbane Lions. Gemma, from where I was sitting as a Tigers supporter, I was pretty pleased actually. Some of our new recruits really stood up, Harriet Cordner, for example, and they looked to me like a more liberated Tiger outfit. What did you think? Yeah, so it breaks my heart to see Harriet Cordner in a Tigers Guernsey, but we <laughs> deal. Um, she, That's I funny. Think that, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so many of my favourite <laughs> players leave the clubs that I go for. Um <laughs> Her stability as a key defender has allowed players like Phoebe Monaghan to play a much more attacking style of defense, which I think allowed Richmond not to get stuck in that back line as much, which was hugely positive for Richmond. And I know 
they lost by 39 points and all this sort of stuff. But just like West Coast, there's definitely clear improvement there. I think a really big thing as well is that last year, I don't know that we saw a lot of structure in their game style. It was kind of kick and hope. I think we saw a little bit more system today in that game. Interestingly enough, I actually spoke to Harriet Cordner after the game for Richmond and she talked about uh, the Ryan Ferguson, their new coach, giving them the freedom to play their natural game, which I thought was really interesting and I felt like I saw that on field a little bit as well. Um, I don't know if you felt that way. The youth, it was more the youth of Brisbane that absolutely shone today. Courtney Hodder, six tackles, one goal, two behinds. Taylor Smith was confident and strong and imposing. Was there anyone else that stood out for you? Yeah, so uh, just to mention that Courtney Hodder is another one that I mentioned in the Outer Sanctum. So yes, you to did. The um, Can you also ask for a million dollars, Gemma? Because you were spot on. <laughs> Just have me back out of Sanctum, people. I know you're listening. Um, <laughs> I think we will. <laughs> uh, Belle Dawes had a career-high 21 disposals, five marks, seven clearances. So she's a player who, um, I don't know if anyone's looked at it, but late last year, Kirby Fenwick and I co-wrote a piece on the development of women's footy in Queensland. And as part of that, we spoke to Emma Zilke and Lauren Arnell, who are senior players at Brisbane. Both of them flagged Belle Dawes as, as a young Queensland talent to keep an eye on and this is why her preseason has obviously been massive and she had a huge impact on this game and then the other player that I was thoroughly impressed with like I, I think I tweeted four or five times how amazing she was is Dakota Davidson the the mm. way she's broadened her game was amazing but also the little things that she did was exact like so instinctively footballer it feels like she has um, she feels more confident in her game or she feels freer from something maybe Craig Stasevich has said. The little things she was doing and then her marking or her attack at the contest was completely brilliant. She covered the ground a lot better than I think she did last year as well. And I flagged in um, some of the play on blog posts that I did earlier in the year or late last year, the fact that I think she's a key player to Brisbane's success, not necessarily because of what she does, but because of what she, her being there and, and playing a solid game will allow others to do. And this is what we saw in this game. She wasn't necessarily getting stats herself or getting the ball herself, but the little tap-ons and things like that that she was doing was completely remarkable and I can't wait to see what else she does this year. Luz and Cam also saying that she really liked Gabby Seymour's game and that she looked more confident. Uh, I want to talk about Katie Brennan, who we finally get to see up forward again, and we love to see it. It didn't really translate to the scoreboard, but certainly felt good. Oh, this is why people last year were screaming for Katie Brennan to be put forward because she, her being there, her overhead marking ability, her contested marking ability, we saw that today. And when you've got Courtney Wakefield, Taylor Stahl, and Sabrina Frederick there as well, that stretches defences and we saw Katie Brennan get the opportunity because all of a sudden there were too many marking targets to cover. Yes, it may not have translated onto the scoreboard, but it will eventually this year and we're going to see that improvement. And then 
yeah, you don't mind when she pushes up the field a bit, gets a mark on the wing and links it forward. But I'd love to see her starting in the forward line a lot more because we saw today what it can do. It's like when Nell Morris Dalton came in in round six for Western Bulldogs last mm. year. She didn't necessarily kick a goal, but she had two two goal assists, I think, and changed the face of that forward line. It operated completely differently because she was there. Kind of like I was saying about Dakota Davidson earlier. I think that is Katie Brennan for Richmond. And just a quick one, a hard tag on Mon Conti. She just, it took her a long time to get into that game. Should she be expecting that every game, do you think? Well, I think any elite midfielder coming up against Brisbane should expect to be tagged by Kathy Spark. We saw last year what she can do as a tagger against Elise Parker in round four last year, the GWS Giants. Um, Spark, I think, held, I could have this number wrong, but I think held... Parker to 17 touches which was five or six below her average and also kicked two goals herself had I think 25 touches herself nine tackles like her numbers were had 400 meters gained when she's tagging she impacts the game in an attacking way as well kind of like Kiara Bowers or players like that might not be considered a hard tag by a coach but if you're running with Kathy Spark you're gonna have a hard day Mm. Let's get to your three, two, ones. I had Baldors at three, Harriet Cordner at two, and Brianna Keenan at one. Who did you have? I had Dakota Davidson at one. I just really liked the little things. You probably don't have that number wrong. I think I do. I'm going to double check it after this. <laughs> um, yeah, Dakota Davidson at one. I obviously really liked what she did. I had Harriet Cordner at two. Kind of like we're talking about Brennan in the forward line, changing the structure mm-hmm. of that. I think Cordner does that for the defensive line. And then mm-hmm. Isabel Dawes, I think, was too good in the forward line, um, in the midfield to go past her for three. I did love watching Harriet Cordner take those marks in yeah. the back line. That was beautiful breaks, to watch. Breaks my heart. <laughs> Let's uh, talk about the last game, which was Fremantle versus GWS Giants at Fremantle Oval. Fremantle 8-10-58 to GWS's 4-4-28. Freo are a terrifying team to come up against and they certainly had some unfinished business from last year, but it was always going to be a tough game for GWS, especially coming off an extraordinary preseason. What did you notice about this game, Gemma? I've noticed that Emma's annoyed that we haven't mentioned Sophie Conway. She was good, Emma, I promise. Um, But Freo. So Freo, we saw... Last year, and I've talked about this a lot, is that the versatility of Frio's list is the thing that you want. Um, The way they're able to move players around because so many players are able to do that. We saw that today, particularly with Cara Antonio playing forward. Um, The the player that I likened her forward performance to is kind of like Kirsten McLeod last year when she became kind of the main lead-up forward target for the Western Bulldogs. She's smaller, but she's strong, and she provides that ground-level pressure. I think Antonio was great there, but the, they were only able to do that because they have mid like people like Jasmine Stewart who have improved enough to be reliable on the ball. Players like Tia Haynes have come in and can do that role. Hayley Miller is obviously a star. There's so many players that can mm. go into that midfield that allow you to move Cara Antonio forward. But if, if it was a another team, you probably don't have that luxury. Do you think even despite that sort of list flexibility and how dominant they can be, do you think that they're still in the right place and zone given everything going on with COVID? We're now today, it's unfolding as we speak. I think they've just announced that they 
I can only train for one hour a day or something. There's this, you know, there's everything is changing for them all the time. Do you think they're going to be in the right headspace and have what they need to make it all the way? Oh, I think Freo aren't bothered by that stuff. Um, I think Freo is uh, firmly in the mindset of they didn't get to finish the job last year, whereas maybe other teams aren't quite at the point where they're vying for a flag maybe so the other stuff can be considered a little bit more or are in different circumstances. I don't think Freo are thinking about that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Incredible stuff to follow as we speak. Uh, let's talk quickly about Gemma Houghton. She is incredible. She broke the record for most running bounces, which she held with Kate McCarthy at five, and today she doubled that to ten. I mean, what a, yep. what a player. Yeah, she. I think it was eight in the first half. Um, and Loz eight has in just the first half. I think so. I may have that wrong, but I think that might be the case. Um, she had three in the first quarter, so whatever. Um, Loz just <laughs> mentioned... Uh, Gemma Houghton's accuracy. She kicked two goals, mm. three. Um, last year, she kicked four goals, ten. So, you know, that sort of improvement is the last thing to get her into that really elite status. I know she's a dual Australian, all this sort of stuff, but when Houghton can then on the run kick accurately, that makes her so unbelievably difficult to stop and, and just another asset for Frio. Um, she had mm. three goals too, as we said. She took nine marks. Five of those were inside 50 and three of those were contested. Those sorts of marketing, marking ability, it's not something we see anywhere. Like no. Pepper, um, Pepper Randall, uh, Rebecca Privatelli is a great contested mark. She was at the other end of the ground. She doesn't even come close to Gemma Houghton. Like mm. it's kind of mental that and then she also had four inside 50 so not only was she getting the ball inside 50 but she was delivering it there too so all around amazing but I think the other aspect of this was um GWS were going with Frio for the first half of this game Mm. Annalise Lister was ruled out for the second half of the game she's a really important defender for the um the Giants and I think once she went down that defensive unit just kind of got Mm. a bit overwhelmed because they were undermanned and um, Lister is such an important defender there and we saw Frio start to score a bit more freely. 
Absolutely. Let's get your three, two, one. Emma Race is saying that she has forgotten about how impressive Erin McKinnon is for GWS. I have to agree. Um, so true. And Barney is saying Gemma Houghton is a dark horse for BNF. I would love to see that. I would love Hi, to Danny. see that happen. <laughs> Danny, Danny, for everyone to know, is a great uh, photographer in Adelaide. So you've probably seen her photos around. She takes some of the footy and some of music. So there you go, Danny. Shout out. Ah, lovely shout out. Uh, <laughs> three, two, one, I'll give you mine. Elise Parker, Gemma Houghton and Sabrina Duffy at one. Who did you have? So one, I had Janelle Cuthbertson. Um, she's a player who never, ever gives up. And I love that about her. Two, I had Elise Parker. She had seven clearances, 29 touches, 18 contested possessions. Like she's very, very good. But I just think Gemma Houghton pipped her just because Houghton was able to bring her teammates into the game a lot more purely because of the way Freo were playing. But yeah, I loved what Gemma Houghton did. Also, she has a great name. She does have a great name. I don't want to get into the preview too much because you will be doing that with Julia Montesano. But I just want to ask you, uh, what are you looking forward to next round? And what was where? which game did you have the most fun, Gemma? Uh, this weekend, which game did I have the most fun? Obviously watching my Ds um, because Shelley Heath was playing great footy and I love Shelley Heath and also Jackie Parry. Um, next weekend, I mean, things might change, but at this stage, I'm excited that it's pride round, um, and pride game on Friday night is the main one between Carlton and the Western Bulldogs and Carlton. It's at Western Bulldogs home ground. Um, I'm also really excited at the prospect of seeing Melbourne in person for the first time this year against your Tigers down at Casey Field in what I imagine will be the wind as always. (laughs) I'm very excited slash nervous about that as always for me when my two teams play Melbourne and Richmond. It's a weird (laughs) feeling. Um, Before we sign off, I found that that first Thursday night game was such a lovely little reunion. Didn't you feel that walking around the ground? Every every couple of steps you were bumping into someone saying hello. It was such a nice welcome back to this community. It's been such a long wait. Did you find that as well? Yeah, i got to tell you, um, walking around with four, three, four um, Siren co-founders, four, uh, five of us were there, six of us were there, sorry, numbers, um, who knew I didn't know them. Um, yeah, we are walking around <laughs> and because we were together, we keep getting pulled off each individual and then all of us would be like, Oh, it's this person. So it was, it took us a long time to get from outside the ground to our seats. Um, and once we were there, we, yeah, it was just awesome. I have missed it. I didn't realize how much I'd missed it. Oh, likewise. Well, welcome back to AFLW and I have a feeling (laughs) you'll be stopped plenty more times throughout the season. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Emma, for your lovely comments and um, (laughs) for trying to get Gemma to giggle. I think you succeeded. Uh, Thank you to all of you for joining us. Uh, Thanks for joining me and Gemma. You can watch this or you can listen to this as a podcast. It will be up online. Gemma will be joining Julia Montesano for a preview of the upcoming round, which will drop Friday morning wherever you get your podcasts. Just search play on preview. Uh, Gemma and I would love to hear your thoughts and comments on this round or any other things that you have to say about the AFLW. If people want to reach you, where can they reach you, Gemma? 
Well, as you all know, I'm on Twitter at GL Bastiani. That's the best place. Um, also, play on Radio Melb here, obviously on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm there. Or you can sign up to the Siren newsletter. Every t- Casey wants more Siren content, uh, more, more Eagles content. Sorry, <laughs> Siren. Um, yeah, Siren look, newsletter com- no, yeah, comes out every Tuesday at midday. So if you go to sirensport.com.au, you can check that out as well. What about you, Rana? Absolutely. I am at Rana Huss on Twitter and Rana B. Hussein on Instagram. And a reminder that this audio will also be online for you as a podcast tomorrow. Gemma will make sure that that drops. Thanks for joining us and play on. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.